0: The show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with the Spirit of EQ, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast
1: life is a journey spirit of eq helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals leaders teams and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence spirit of eq is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. After this podcast, listen for a special opportunity to learn more.
0: Today we have a very special guest, Dan DeLuccia, who is the pitching coach for the Ohio State University baseball team. And joining me, as always, is Jeff East of The Spirit of EQ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and everyone listening. So, Dan, welcome to The Spirit of EQ podcast. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. We kind of had a pre-podcast episode even before we started recording. And, I, you know, I kind of stopped myself because I'm going... Wait a minute, we got to use some good material for the actual podcast. So I think I got a ton here. I'm going to give the listeners, Jeff, uh, a little bit of background on how I came to wanting to have Dan on. I've always been fascinated by baseball in general. It's probably because of my dad growing up. I mean, he was a big New York Yankees fan. Okay, I, I know, I know probably there's a ton of haters for the Yankees, but not now. Hold your fire. All right. But that was a big influence on me. And I really, really was fascinated with uh, pitchers like Mariano Rivera. And uh, uh, in addition, uh, Greg Maddox was also someone, even though he wasn't a Yankee. A- and what they did. And uh, I've known Dan for a number of years. And with and I followed him when he was an athlete and his playing days and all that other good stuff. But now that he's in in the mode of teaching – I call it teaching, coaching uh, these kids in, in in a Division One school. I wanted to kind of get his insights about w- what he's seeing. I wanted to talk a little bit about the dynamic of the choice piece, right? Uh, and I know we talk a lot about that, Jeff. You know, here. a lot, yes. Um, and 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 Dan, I haven't mentioned this to you, but the idea is, is that right? Ninety percent of your life is probably going to be the choices you made. Absolutely, you know. Sure, and I and and maybe the other ten percent is all the. Goofy, unpredictable, couldn't have seen it coming. Stuff, good and bad, right? So I'm thinking, the better we get at that model, uh, and as as you guys are listening out there uh, in the audience, you you know I do talk about this a lot. But the better we can get at making choices, it just creates better performance, better outcomes, better. I mean, happiness, all the stuff that we typically daily say we want. So that's that's another fascinating part. And then you've got some background, not only just in baseball, but you've got some business background. I want to talk a little bit about that as well. And then, of course, um, you know, we want to give you an opportunity to talk about some things you're you're into. So I'm going to dig right in the majority of the people and kids that you're dealing with. Right. They've got to be what, 18 to 21,
2: 22 ish, 18 to 22, some 23 year olds. Okay, all right. Your seniors.
0: I've got a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old, and, and I always am, am, am kind of observing and looking at them and their life, and I kind of, well, what's bugging them? What's what's keeping them up at night? Because you hear so much about the pressure and the stress, right? So not only choosing a school, but also I, I can't imagine, in, in and again, a Division One school playing sports, additional pressure, additional stress. When you're seeing most of these kids that are coming in, are they are they stressed out? Are they
2: are they pretty even, pretty positive? Out what's your view on, on those folks? I think when guys initially come in, uh, there's excitement, which can cause a little bit of anxiety at times, yeah. but mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of stress. I guess some of that is just being out on their own for the first time, but honestly, they a lot of them it's ex- excitement. excitement. You know excitement. they they. Um, Get you know out on their own for the first time, and you know they've always been the big fish in the small pond. They've always been the best at what they do wherever they came from. Yeah. Now they're at a place where they're maybe not the best, right? I mean, again, you're an 18 year old. Now you're getting to compete against and with 22 year old experienced mm-hmm. seniors, yeah, um, who have gone through the challenges and the ups and downs where you really haven't to this point in your life had a whole lot of adversity or challenges. So, I think that's more so when we start to see the stress is when they start to fail a little bit because they've been successful you mm. know all of their all of their lives. So yeah,
3: I've got a so these kids that are coming in they were
2: probably the best on their team or, or close to it no doubt, yeah, and we' we're, we're trying to recruit some of the best players in the country, so no doubt they're they're the best in their team league and in in most cases the state. so when they come in how how does it affect them when all of a sudden
3: they're not the one on the team anymore because they're they're surrounded by people with equal or greater talent.
2: That's where we sometimes see the stress. they're not sure necessarily how to handle it, and that's where you know we had talked before we got on air is is about their character. In the mm-hmm. recruiting process, we try to really dive deep, not only with with the uh, with the player, but the parents as well. Their background, how they grew up, what their drivers are, mm-hmm. uh, and really try to get a a good, well rounded picture of their character. So we'll talk to as many coaches and influencers mm-hmm. in their lives as, as we can to get a get Do that they, picture. I, I, I'm curious along that line, uh, Dan. I mean, character right
0: for so many is kind of this mysterious thing, okay, what does it mean? I mean, is it that I never tell a lie or is it that I'm I'm a person that doesn't give up? Whatever, whatever, right? Is that search design because you guys know they're going to face some
2: real challenges, mm-hmm. especially early on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the hard part is, say you've got a quote-unquote five-star recruit, right? Okay, right. A stud that mm-hmm. we bring in. The hard part is when we get some reviews that say, you know what? He's not the best at handling adversity, He may not always have the utmost integrity that you would want in a single person, but man, this kid can pitch. You're going to want this kid on the mound when uh, you know it's a three-two count in the bottom of the ninth, and you need to get somebody out. So those are the the tricky the tricky ones. Is obviously we want the integrity and the character to outweigh the the quote-unquote X's and O's, right. Right? you know, how mm-hmm. hard you throw or how good you are as a, yep. you know, as a physical pitcher. But I think that's where my job and our job as a coaching staff and a program comes in and and taking kids that may not have that and molding them, Mm -hmm. um, into the guys that we want that can ultimately be the best of both worlds. Great pitchers, Mm -hmm. um, and great people with, with good character. Okay. Let's shift for a minute, Jeff,
0: Dan, I want to let you talk about your background a bit because I know you didn't wake up last week and become a pitching coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so tell me a little bit about your background, uh, as when sports became sort of a dominant thing for you and then kind of
2: pull it out into today. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up, um, kind of in the Hilliard area, uh, outside, or, uh, in Columbus, went to Bishop Waterson high school and growing up just was a competitor, right? I have a, a younger brother, Brian is three years younger than me. So we would constantly be in the backyard competing with neighbors, friends, and, um, we just really didn't know anything else. And I think it's just one of those qualities we, we had internally. So, yeah. It really didn't uh, hit me that sports was, was going to become a huge part of my life until really I started getting recruited. And, and I was a three sport athlete in, in high school. So, from a football and a baseball standpoint, started. And you getting were a phone. very good quarterback. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I had a decent, decent <laughs> yeah. high school career um, <laughs> as a quarterback. So, uh, but again, it, it was the competitive drive. I mm-hmm. loved competing. Mm-hmm. I loved. Um, wanting to win. I don't know if it was it was wanting to win or just hating to lose. I'm not, you know, mm. it, it could have been more of that, but then I still to this day do. I mean, I still uh you know, again, what you know, coaching 18 to 22 year olds, I still, you know, put the glove on and and uh compete with those guys cuz mm-hmm. it's just uh it's kind of in my system but uh, so once Ohio State was was drafted in 2008 by the Detroit Tigers and uh, bounced around the minor leagues with the Tigers and the Toronto Blue Jays organization and mm. the timing was great an assistant job opened up at Ohio State and you know at that point I was 26 years old and Major League Baseball had pretty much told me I was too old and and not good enough anymore <laughs> to uh, to stay in the system and, right. and the next best thing to playing is coaching and You know, I've grown so much just from from when I started. Um, Can I take you back to that, Uh, too? When you 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 got the
0: I'm I would imagine nobody came to you and said, "Okay, Dan, this is from the this is from uh, Major League Baseball. You're too old. And it's the end. Yeah. Uh, So how did you deal with the transition from, okay, this is coming to an end and and the new chapter is going to begin?
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and I try to tell our guys, it's a matter of perspective. And I try Mm -hmm. to tell guys when they get drafted, you know, from Ohio State or out of high school here. And I try to tell them that once you get into that system, it's a business. It's a business. So I had that ingrained into my mind not to be emotional about the decisions that were made Mm. above me I could only control what I could control right yeah and decisions were going to be made uh, whether I liked them or not so it was the perspective I had with those decisions that helped me kind of transition out of the playing career into the coaching career I know that, uh, and, and we'll
0: we'll come back around to um, some of the things that are happening at OSU as far as uh, not only recruiting, but you know the day in and day out. But mm-hmm. you you spent some time also in the
2: business world too, right? Right. Yeah. So actually, as a junior at Ohio State, I, I got. I got my insurance licenses. One of my majors was uh, risk management and insurance. So got all my insurance licenses, and as a junior in college started working part-time at an insurance agency here in Columbus. Okay,
0: okay, so, all right. And we've got some uh, some questions around that yeah. dynamic and the connection between that and being a pitching coach. Um, because again, the, the pitching uh, piece was really, really one of those things, as I said at the beginning, that really kind of prompted me to go, man, I gotta reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're dealing with kids, you know, we talked about adversity. We talk about you're looking at character. You're doing the background thing. You said something to me earlier that you guys are recruiting, like, really, really early on. How, how does – can you repeat that one yeah, back to as yeah. far as so, – tell me again.
2: Recruiting has changed significantly since since we were getting – or since I was getting recruited back in, you know, the early 2000s, and you know, I committed to Ohio State as a senior, actually, spring of my se- senior year. So I only had three mo- two, three months left of my whole high school playing career when I committed to Ohio State. Now we're, we're recruiting freshmen, sophomores uh, in college, so the recruiting cycle has has definitely changed with baseball specifically. Uh, we can't bring guys onto campus until they're juniors. So a lot of our recruiting has to be through high school coaches, through summer coaches, and just talking to these you 15-, know, 16-year-olds over the phone and trying to get to, to know them without mm-hmm. sitting across the table from them, looking them in the eyes, shaking their hand, You know, things that you would do uh, a lot of times in a normal recruiting process. So it's definitely different. And you have to find ways to be able to do that effectively. Do you see
0: that as a is that is that a good thing or a bad thing that we're recruiting so early? I mean, if, if
2: I mean, if you were king for a day, would you say, yeah, keep it the way it is, or personally, I, I would push it back to where it was. Even you know, I, I think a lot of times these kids are so anxious, especially with the social media world, to jump out there and tell the world, "Hey, I'm committed somewhere," and they see their friends doing it, and they just feel that. They want to get it over with. They want to get the the decision made, and and frankly, they're they're fifteen years old. Some of them haven't. Some of them had committed before even stepping foot in a high school or without a driver's license. Mm. So the decision making that they're they're trying to make as, um, you know, just really into their teenager years. I, I'd like it to be more of a thought out process. Yeah, I feel like it moves so fast for them because then on the back end you see decommitments all mm-hmm. over the place and you hear about it in football and basketball and it happens in in the baseball world frequently and it's because guys just they feel like they're forced to make decisions yeah so early and and we talked about earlier how the collegiate world is an arms race There, there's always a a, a race a i guess a competition to do better than than other mm-hmm. schools not only with facilities but Uh, social media, and it's just become an epidemic uh, to, I think, the detriment of the kids.
0: Because I think about it, you know, Jeff and I have spoken on the podcast and even outside of it, you know, that this idea of how we're going about making our choices, uh, it's not going to be lost on anyone who's listened to this show for any time that we talk a lot about, you know, what is emotional intelligence? Mm -hmm. It's the blending of your thoughts and your emotions to make optimal decisions. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I've got enough time behind me now to look back and go, <laughs> I can't blame anyone but me. That was my choice. I I decided to go left or go right, you mm-hmm. know, and I know for my kids um, and by extension, you know, uh, friends, family, whatever, you know, you, uh, there's always this idea that we can't be perfect, but man, we can get better. All right. There's no perfect fastball, right, Dan, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no. you, you can get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to pivot for a minute to uh, a video that I saw on Twitter and and it was uh, I, I think it was from you. And basically it was showing uh, these pictures and learning proper form. Mm-hmm. And I may be overgeneralizing that. So uh, I apologize. But it was fascinating to me as I'm looking at that kit and seeing him trying to 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 do what maybe wasn't supernatural, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense of, of form and maybe what he had been learning before.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so kind of a two-parter. Do you guys have to work on changing some of the mechanic-type stuff that maybe they learned in high school when they get into college? And then uh, what do you watch for maybe potentially when – when a kid is encountering, in this case, you know, practice adversity, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because I got to imagine just by looking at that kid, it was like, it, I could see it was getting a little frustrated because mm-hmm. it was it was like, okay, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. So let's go back to that. one. one the, the first part is, are you finding yourself? Do
2: you guys have to clean up stuff or change a bit? Uh, we do. the What we usually do, so going back to when guys first come in right. as freshmen – Honestly, what we do initially is just let let them be. So again, we talked about new environment. There may be some anxiety there. We know there's some excitement, oh, but oh wow. yeah they they've clearly done things in their high school career that are good enough to be at Ohio State, right, right? So mm-hmm. we almost want to just encourage them initially, like, hey, we're not here to change you. Mm-hmm. you've already you're already good enough to obviously be on the team, right? Right? So we try to make. You know, after a couple weeks, few weeks, um, again, if they're succeeding, we we continue to to let them be and let them ride and just keep you know uh, patting them on the back and mm-hmm. uh, encouraging them for the most part. Maybe with with small tweaks here and there, yep. but then obviously, you know, that's when the guys start to fail when they come in. That's where we will make adjustments and try to get them right again. You know, kind of in line with this podcast, a lot of a lot of it when they come in, it is mental. And it's that mm. finding what their driver's in. We'll have weekly pitchers meetings where we sit down and we're not talking baseball. We're talking more than that. And, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine brought to me uh, a year or two ago this concept of MVP, and it's the, your mission, vision, purpose, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, I've used yeah. that with our guys, and I've done it personally. I would encourage people to do that personally and, and to figure out, you know, outside of baseball, why do you wake up every day? Mm-hmm. what are you doing internally that influences influences those choices that we're talking about so yeah. we'll sit down and go through pitchers meetings and just talk about them as people right so that when they're up on the mound like you said Mariano Rivera mm-hmm. is up on the mound in front of 50,000 people and who you know millions and millions of people you know in game 7 of the World Series how is he able to <laughs> Throw wow. that cutter and not worry about what's going to happen, right? Clearly, the best in the game have some physical attributes that, you know, a lot of people can't repeat or I should say replicate, but internally they are so secure with who they are and that no matter what happens, good or bad, they're still going to be the, the same person when they get out of bed the next day. So yeah. it, it's kind of the those measures that we really try to instill into our guys. Who are you? Know yourself in and out really, really well. So, you've got it. We're talking pitchers.
3: Mm -hmm. So you've got that pitcher. He's going into the ninth inning. He's pitching a shutout. How much of that character goes into him getting those last three outs? Yeah, if we're talking a closer, I mean that. Not not a closer, but he's the he's the starting pitcher, and he's got he's pitching a shutout. Sure. I mean, and and so he's tired.
2: Yeah, that's something. That's where you have to know your guys. And I don't stand a lot. I'm not. I'm not trying to say I'm unique as a pitching coach from this perspective, but that's where you get to know your players. That's where those pitchers' meetings at the beginning of the year in the fall mm-hmm. really matter. So when you're in June at the end of our season in in conference tournament or regionals in the NCAA tournament where pitches really, really matter and innings really, really matter, it goes all the way back to the beginning of fall where we get to know our guys. And are these guys emotionally stable where they can handle situations, are they a guy that you know is going to say, without even asking the question, is going to say, do not take the ball out of my hands. Let me finish this. Let me go after this. And, and it's kind of the the balance between, you may have a guy like that who has you know grit or guts or whatever you want to call it, but there's also some of that wisdom that says, I know he wants to finish it, but... He's, he's absolutely gassed and I've got to take the ball even though I know he wants it. So that's, that's kind of the give and take of, of my job is really knowing these guys when and have the trust. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: that's, that's powerful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's kind of funny. Um, my wife has, um, been very, very into, uh, the Enneagram. I don't know if you've oh, heard, yeah. heard of that. Absolutely. Okay. And Jeff, yep. I know we've I'm talked about right? it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> um, and, um, so, and this is Jermaine, uh, to that, uh, Jeff, I, I'm a four and I think you knew that, uh, uh-huh. but my wife, we're sitting on the couch and, um, just talking in general and she says, well, see, with you being that creative artist type, you, you see things through that lens and it, it, it impacts you uh, differently than what it would someone else because emotions are part of your, mm-hmm. your triad, if mm-hmm. you will. I think that's the, I'm, I'm learning. I think that's mm-hmm. the term <laughs> and I'm sitting there and going, wow, you're right. That is how it is. Mm-hmm. So you know, even though I didn't have a baseball in my hand, it would be like her coming out to the mound and saying, you process with emotions. That's not here. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta, you gotta give me the ball. And, and I, and I, I think about that because I know we, you don't weaponize the Enneagram. <laughs> I've heard right. that many times yes. because I know some people out there might be thinking, Oh, is your wife, you know, trying to tell you about who you, what you should do? <laughs> tell you it, it's truly not that. Um, because, you know, I just think it's fascinating, Dan, your your emphasis on knowing them and what that produces in your ability. And I, I gotta believe that would in some
2: ways that that engenders like trust on their part. That you went there first. No no doubt. I mean, trust is the name of the game and one of my favorite books uh is called The Speed of Trust. Um who's that by the Covey. Yeah, yeah, Covey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um But, you know, and I wrote that, I wrote this down as you were talking and we, we tell guys, you know, guys can act with emotion, but you don't want to be emotional. If Mm. that makes sense, right? So when I say act with emotion, you know, if you're in a tight situation and you get a guy, you punch a guy out, you know, strike three on the outside corner looking and you give a fist pump, that's acting with emotion, Mm -hmm. right? But being emotional is kind of that, that roller coaster of emotions that we try to stay out of. Who
3: right? was it? Was it CeCe's Abathia? Mm-hmm. I think was the one. If you could get him upset, he was done
2: for the game. Oh sure, sure. He I would just yep. melt down. Melt down, sure. And teams use that against him, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's little things that can get guys like you know you step out of the box numerous times just to get a pitcher fired up, and there's a bunch of different things you can do to upset pitchers. But but again, that's where we try to train our guys like it doesn 't matter Contro- you can 't control those things you can 't control that you can 't control umpires you can't control weather mm-hmm. that's the emotional side that we train our pitchers more than anything again, these guys are already good coming out of high school yep. right so there's obviously physical tools or you know physical adjustments that we're making in these guys but but more so and and we again we i tell these I tell our pitchers this, but um, there's kind of this uh I guess, phrase in baseball that 90-plus percent of baseball is mental, right? Mm -hmm. Well, constantly, coaches are training the physical. We're we're throwing, running, catching, hitting constantly. So if 90-plus percent of the game is mental, then why are we practicing the physical part of the game 90-plus percent (laughs) of the time, right? Wow. It doesn't match up necessarily. So what we try to do is really hammer on that mental part of the game. Because because you know, when it comes down to it, that's really when to gain an edge over another pitcher or over the batter or over another team, mm-hmm. especially when there's thousands of people in the stands, that's really uh, the part that's going to come to fruition um, when things uh, hmm. you know mean, mean the most. In the business
3: world, I've heard a lot of companies say that same thing. Mm-hmm. You know we can teach somebody the task in the business, but they don't know how to do everything else. The emotional, the getting along, the
0: no—it's well, kind of that you can't, you can't teach character. You can't, right? That's not, you know, it's not, it's not like knowing how to do an Excel spreadsheet, right? Mm-hmm. So, successful companies now are looking at that
3: other—I hate to use this term—soft skills because they're very hard to learn. Yeah, but those things like what you're talking about, how to handle the emotional part of of your pitcher's job
0: or somebody you know, it's really, at work. That's mm-hmm. interesting, Jeff, too. And um, I haven't talked to you about it, but, you know, Dan, you're talking about, again, that that idea of of emphasizing the mental piece. And I talked to a client last week that basically said they looked at the emotional intelligence piece as the foundation for the other types of training that they were going to do. Because they felt like if, if we get this piece down, these other things will line up a lot better than if we didn't, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, you know? Because I can't imagine, right? Number one, the pressure of being on the mound, right? And and you're in front of friends, family, strangers, mm-hmm. tons of people, you're in a D1 school and all that different stuff. And then add in, I broke up with my girlfriend last night. And then add that in, I, I was kind of sick to my stomach this morning. <laughs> and then add in, I really hate this guy, you know. <laughs> and then having to pull that sure. together, right, right. Sure. <laughs> to be able to still perform for the team, right? Right. I want to shift a little bit to um, some of your experience, um, just just in life stuff, right? I mentioned about the transition from going from when you were exiting the major league because you, you you left the major league into
2: to the business world, right? Was that the pathway, or so I had had a role with an agency since I was a junior in college, right around to to when I left, uh, or so when I got out of uh, Major League Baseball. So okay. I got hired as an assistant mm-hmm. um, at Ohio State. And literally within a couple months, I had an opportunity to be a partner in a essentially a startup insurance agency. Okay, And, and again, that goes back to, again, the choices that I alluded to earlier is I didn't have all the you know and from that risk assessment standpoint mm-hmm. i didn't know how that was going to turn out and just frankly and and my business partner told me you know that i tended to do this a lot is i was hedging right so when i went into coaching mm-hmm. right coaching was my passion coaching is what i love to do yep. there was another side of it though so there was this entrepreneurial lucrative business uh mm-hmm. piece of it that was again, frankly, just more financially rewarding. Right, right. Um, so there was a balance. And for me, I was hedging a little bit on, I can have the b- the best of both worlds and and literally worked two full-time jobs. And it's funny, you know, people in baseball have no idea I had another full-time job in, in insurance. And then the insurance clients of mine and people have had no, no idea. idea I was a, an assistant <laughs> coach for Ohio State. Right. So... And for about five years, uh, but again, that goes back to the choices. I trusted that the guy I partnered with had similar qualities, mm-hmm. um, and in a vision where, where we had similar synergies mm-hmm. that paired up really well, and it ended up being a really great decision. One of my, uh, he, he's not only a, a great friend and mentor, but I helped me learn a lot from the business standpoint. That again, we might get into it. That parallels a lot to to coaching.
0: Yeah. So So that maybe uh, you've given the best segue possible. Let's, let's go ahead and go there. What do you see are some parallels to, to what you saw in business and what you
2: see in, in coaching pitchers? There's two, I'd say managing people. Mm -hmm. Um, And when, when, you know, everything in life and I'm not the first person to say this is based on relationships in my opinion and uh, the trust or, or, you know mistrust or distrust of relationships, mm-hmm. um, and then the other thing was just in my role, I was in sales, right? So I was in se- I was selling uh, insurance products all over the country, mm-hmm. very niche focused mm-hmm. insurance products all over the country, and. And now I'm selling 15 year olds on why they should come to Ohio State, <laughs> right, right, right. So there's there's definite. Hey, wait a minute, that, yeah. could,
0: be, that could we could create 15 year old mentality
2: yep. to you know the sales and the business, <laughs> right? There's definite there's definite parallels there because mm-hmm. uh, you're dealing with people and yes. you're dealing with you know again in segue with this podcast is emotions and it's funny I was just reading a, a, a book called uh, Never Split the Difference. Uh, by Chris Voss, and he was an FBI negotiator for at least a couple decades, a top FBI negotiator. And one of his biggest things is talking about anchoring emotions, anchoring. And you're talking about he's dealing, he's negotiating with some of the top terrorists in the world, and it it comes down to the same thing. So whether we're talking selling insurance, Mm -hmm. selling whatever your product or service is, selling a, a product and honestly ourselves as a coaching staff and a program to 15-year-olds mm-hmm. um, or or negotiating with terrorists. It comes down to emotions. So you have to be able to figure out what those are. And, and a lot of it is empathy. A lot of it is trust. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm still learning. I don't know it all here. Oh, but, but Dan,
0: you, but, know, you, you got it. was going through my head. It's like, Jeff, the, the, the whole idea of that emotions are chemicals and, and they're they're neurotransmitters, mm-hmm. right? So I, I say this a lot. I know you do as well. When we work with people is that don't judge your emotions as being good or bad. They're trying to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Now, what you do with them, right, you know, it's kind of that idea of anger is bad when you lose your temper and you scream, right? Right. Anger is good when you stop for a moment and you reflect on what it, well, why am I angry? What is, what is, what, what are the consequences of me not controlling this? And I get it. People could say, well, it's easy for you to say, Eric, in your podcast, sitting in that nice, cushy <laughs> room, right? Uh, right. right? Well, don't worry, folks. I'm going to be leaving here, and I'm going to go home, and I got a family, and I got a neighbor, <laughs> and I got a, <laughs> I got a car uh, repair person who's got to call me back because I got issues with my car. Right. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be a much slower than what I think it's going to be. Right. Plus <laughs> all the people that you're going to meet on the freeway heading home. Yes, right. Oh, yeah. You know, and of course, in Columbus, Ohio, we have the best drivers on the planet. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I, I'm sure there's research that shows that somewhere. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> so within that, you know, you talk about with the FBI guy, you talk about your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the better you're able to recognize, you know, that, you know, the anger is not some like, it's not bad, you know, just like sadness. And, and you know, it just like, you know, joy is not absolutely a positive thing because that can lead you into places mm-hmm. you don't want to go. Mm-hmm. So, with that and, and, and the parallel, what about, um, what, what do you see if, if and again, not, not going into the technical definitions of emotional intelligence and all of that, but would you say that the majority of the kids that you talk to are pretty emotionally intelligent, just at a high level?
2: No. Okay. No, because there's so many external influences in their lives that they almost don't even have a chance to know who they are. If you take out all those external influences and, and I do this exercise. And again, a a lot of my tools I learned from other people, which, um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But I, I tell people, if you were to rank yourself one to 10 on a scale, take out all the all the roles in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're a father, a husband, I'm a coach. I was an insurance salesman. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a lawn, I mow lawns. So I'm a mower. I take yeah. out the trash. I'm a trash taker outer, yeah, right? Yeah, take yeah, out right. all the roles in the lo- in your life and where do you rank yourself one to 10? And a lot of people are like, man, if, if I'm not playing baseball, if I'm not doing that, I'm probably, I don't know, a two. Mm. And you, you know, sometimes there's maybe one or two hands that have their, and again, I I did this exercise and I I said I was a two, right? So I don't have it all figured out. I'm just, this is experience, but there's maybe one or two people that have their hand up that say I'm a nine or I'm a 10 or I'm an eight higher on that, on that spectrum. And I ask them why? And it's because I know who I am. I don't need roles to define me. I know what drives me internally. And if that role uh, goes away. I still know what defines me. I still know who I am when I wake out of bed. I still and know isn't what that Dan?
0: Doesn't that connect into the performance on the field? Absolutely. As that's that's that I'm goes saying. up, right? You
2: ask Mario Ana Rivera if he got a home run hit off him in the bottom of the ninth and blew a save. I bet he'd still wake up in the morning and have a pretty good idea of who he is as a person. Yeah, because that's one thing. And I think
0: uh, my kids are my last. Uh, my youngest is going to be out of high school soon, but I, I thought, and I've always felt this about a lot of their friends too. There's so much em- emphasis on performance, your ACT score, where are you going to go to college? What are you going to do for a career? Where are you going to live? And we want you to be the best. We want you to be the highest. What's your score? What, what did you rank? All of these different things. Mm-hmm. And then when you ask, so what have you done to prepare them for that beyond just the skills? Like, has anyone introduced an MVP? Mm -hmm. Has anyone said emotional intelligence? How do you make decisions? That's when you get the awkward silence because we don't spend any time on it. And sometimes I think, Dan, we're setting them up for super disappointment and failure because as much as we can tell our kids, right, uh, that, you know, they're special, they're wonderful, they're special, they're wonderful over, over, over and over again. And quite frankly, they are. We love them. But they're going out into a world and I'm just going to be blunt, right? I think we all know this that really doesn't care.
2: Mm-hmm. Nope, you
0: right. know, in, in adulthood, I know for me, I've probably got maybe a handful of people that really care about me. Sure. I was going through this exercise uh, with a gentleman of um, it's like the I don't know the name of the exercise, but it's the idea of the drawing like three circles around each other, yep. and you're in the center, got your name. And then in the exercise, you, you put the initials of all the people in that first circle. And those are the people who, mm-hmm. if you call them, they'd say, I'll be there right now. And if if you were vomiting on carpet, they would, hey, let me clean that up. Mm-hmm. Let me clean that up for mm-hmm. you. the next circle. People that maybe wouldn't go that deep, but they would try to help you get a ride or or fix something. And then that next circle. And the whole idea of this guy told me, he said, the more initials you have in those circles, the better you're gonna be when life turns out to be that ferocious monster that it is. So the people that have the greatest challenges, and this goes from the mental well-being across, they're isolated. They don't have that. And for the life of me, again, for all of our desire to see, whether it's our kids or even our friends, adults, to do great things, we leave all that stuff in the dust a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Jeff. Yeah you're making me think of, of your
3: these kids, eighteen to twenty two year olds coming in. How good are they at being in that inner circle for their teammates? A, Ooh, a closer That's good. Blows the game. Mm-hmm the outfielder misses a fly ball and loses the game. How good are they at being in that inner circle for their teammates when somebody does something like that? It, 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 does it come naturally or do you have to teach or encourage?
2: Yeah, so there's um there's three things that we have when we call our cultural blueprint for our guys and our guys these should be the foundations of our program and the the third one's brotherhood. Mm. And and again, we're not the only program to preach brotherhood, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um but it is something that we want because, again, these, it's you got to think beyond baseball, beyond this, you know, life where they think they've got everything figured out. And you know, a lot of these guys are going to be in each other's weddings and friends for a really long time. And so, we try to influence and help facilitate uh, that brotherhood, and we want that to be as strong as anything. And, and I'm sure if you talk to coaches that have won national championships or Big Ten championships, I bet they'll say that more so than anything, it was the camaraderie and the brotherhood of the guys they had uh, in the locker room. And and that rings true for us as well. It's the best teams that we've had. Yeah, they're talented, but man, when they really came together and played for each other, Mm. didn't necessarily even play for the championship, play for – You know, their own individual stats. When they played for each other, that's when we saw great things happen championships, rings, all that. Mm. And they weren't even playing for it. So when, when you talk about, you know, a guy blows a save in the ninth inning, it's first of all, how does he respond? Right. But he's going to respond a lot of times based on his brothers, his brothers, his teammates on the team. Uh, So that's a great point. I think some of the best teams we've had have have made that almost the number one driver um, within the program. That's a great point.
3: So how can we take that into the business world, into our personal life, I
0: think is what we need to talk about. Uh,
3: you not necessarily care- now you gotta, well you
0: gotta be careful Jeff Dan's gonna start
2: charging us by the hour
1: so those kind of <laughs> questions <laughs> <laughs> right no
2: I, I mean I'll jump I mean that's a great point again it's the, these are parallels right and it all comes down to the relationships in my opinion and, and getting to know the people so I had let's call them account executives that were working for me that did all the clerical work that <laughs> I wanted no part of I wasn't good at you know I was a salesman <laughs> I wanted to sell and that's what I thought I was good at but they're still members of the team and just as valuable because if they leave, if they walk out the door, well, guess who is doing all that stuff—the stuff that you don't want—you're going to end up doing it. You're going to end up, you know, putting on multiple hats and—and and what I found to be uh, effective uh, in the business world, and—and and I would hope the the people that I worked with felt the same way. Is that again, I cared with them. I asked what. Well, I, same thing I do with our players, right? The, their MVPs, figuring out what their their emotional drivers are, what meant the most to them, and then just help raise them up. To, I mean, just tell them how good of a job they were they were doing, what their ambitions were in the workplace. So it all felt like we were moving in the same direction. Again, never talking about necessarily goals of our companies, but making coworkers feel that they were as important as anybody it's as important as my kids, my wife, and really make them feel like what they did mattered on it. An yeah.
0: And you know what, Dan, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about what leaders can do to foster that, um, sense of, um, I mean, again, it's coming back to trust. You know, if I'm just beginning the journey with you, I don't really know you that well. I got it. I'm. I went out on my proverbial limb to. I'm going to do this, sure. and I'm going to. I'm going to choose you, or I'm going to choose this team, or whatever. And and it comes back to that idea about salt and light. And I think about salt. Right, you're at a dish that you really worked hard on, and it was really good. Mm-hmm. You know, took the first bite, and you knew. You grab the salt, you sprinkle it on a little bit more. And what happens? The dish totally changes Mm -hmm. your impression of it. your feeling about it. It's almost like you have that. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. Right. The light part is purely, I mean, think, I mean, I I don't want to go overly spiritual here, but we live in a fairly dark world. I don't think that's lost on just about everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you encounter someone who is, Hey, I see you. Tell me more about you. Mm -hmm. And that's the constant refrain. That's light. That's like, whoa, wait a minute. You see me? And I I mean, even I believe even the five star guys sometimes. Yeah, I mean, they've gotten applause. You're the greatest. You're the most. You're the most. Over and over. But how many people said, I get that. But tell me, what are you into? Mm -hmm. What, What kind of stuff do you do when you're, you know, and the eye contact, that sense, right? I think that gets lost in the leadership ranks, people forget that when that first meeting and, and that's there's a dangerous part, I think, is that we make our decisions very quickly about whether or not this is somebody to trust mm-hmm. or not to trust. I mean, I, I think it was Gladwell's book, right? Blink, you know, mm-hmm. his idea yep. that it takes a human being like maybe five to seven seconds yep. As soon as we get done recording this podcast, we're going to talk about
3: bias. Oh, <laughs> that's the next
0: one going to be. <laughs> All right, good one. All right. So the idea we make up our minds very quickly, and I've used that with people. I it's like, hey, I get it. You 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 had a tough situation before I came on the scene, and but the reality is you've already decided whether or not I'm somebody to be trusted. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope I did well. I, I I hope you see that I can be trusted. But I walk into the rooms going, I know that's the measuring stick because that's human beings. And my things are typically right. We, we come in and we go. I mean, we're the quasi consultant. You know, we're not staying there from beginning to end. So if you're working for that company or if you're a coach on part of a coaching staff, I would think it's got to be huge to be able to establish that very quickly. Salt and light. So anyway, that kind of you got me thinking about that mm-hmm. that
2: part. So. No, yeah, great point. All right. Absolutely. So,
0: Dan, what is going on in life for you? What's what's going well? Um what are you excited about? What's getting you up out of the morning up the, up in the morning besides OSU baseball?
2: Yeah, well right now it's funny. I'm right in the middle of a 21-day fast, so <laughs> I really like some uh food <laughs> is the first thing I think about, but um no, we my wife and I we do it with our church every every year and Uh, honestly uh, i gotta
0: i gotta keep you there mm -hmm, for a minute i
2: mean when i'm thinking 20
0: you're not talking about intermittent fasting you're talking about a 21 day fast correct
2: yeah wow so i came in here had a carrot and orange juice smoothie this morning, and okay, about to have another smoothie <laughs> later. How far yeah. in are you? Uh Just one week. So we have two more weeks. It ends on Super Bowl Sunday, and then I go hog <laughs> no, wild okay. on some pizza did and you wings. Guys, did and you plan <laughs> that? <laughs> Absolutely. They plan, they plan it every every year like that. Okay. So, All but, right. Uh,
1: <laughs> but, no, but,
2: you know, it really does. It, again, it, it gets me talking, and, and that's it's almost perfect timing that, I'm talking with you guys today because it's a lot of perspective and it's, Mm -hmm. it's thinking about, do we really have things so bad in our world? And you mentioned like a dark world and it's like, man, do we have things, things great. And, and something I've started doing is just writing down um, thoughts or Bible verses and putting them up on my mirror. And again, it just, it changes your whole start to the day, your perspective. And, and hopefully, what I love get going to the ballpark every day. So I wake up first thing I'm thinking about is you know my wife and kids and what I have to do with them in the morning, and mm-hmm. then um, can't wait to get to the baseball field. So yeah. uh, it's one thing that I, you know, after you know being in the business world and kind of hedging, right? We mentioned hedging earlier. Mm-hmm. I finally made a decision, you know, after after praying and talking with my wife, and made a decision. That I was going to follow my passion and, you know, potentially leave behind that lucrative, you know, financially, um, I guess, you know, uh, good business behind yeah, sure. to follow my passion. Right. And I know yeah. that's a struggle for a lot of people. But again, it's putting things into perspective. It's it's. Why do you need, you know, the financial part of having the the business? I guess the business life would have put me in a great spot financially for myself, my kids. But at the end of the day, I thought I want my wife and kids looking at me, not that I've set them up necessarily with finances, but that I'm pursuing my passion and that I'm doing something I love. And it's not always easiest because again, even going to our 18 to 22 year old kids, right? They see the external, they try to to match themselves up or, or compare themselves to the others they see mm-hmm. and then live those lives versus no, no, no. Live the life that you want, make decisions oh, yeah. that you want to make, right? To live your own life, to carve your own path. So yeah. that's kind of, it, it's, it's renewed me over the past year and, and things have come to fruition. And, you know, I'm excited about our baseball team really. And, 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 you know, a lot of people ask how we're going to be, and uh, I'm excited. I think we have a chance to be really good. And um, I joke with them. I think our pitching staff will pretty good, be pretty good if the pitching coach doesn't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, <You know>, joking <laughs> with them, but uh, uh, no. But good. right now, yeah, there's a lot of of great things going on. I'm going to bring thing. you back to something you said, but Jeff. I've, yeah,
3: I just when you mentioned you know your passion mm-hmm. when when someone when you me Eric um, are able to pursue our passion, how does that impact the people around us when you're doing what you really
2: are meant to do? Sure. I, it, I guess it's hard because what you think people see you as and judge you by how much money you have, the cars you drive, the whatever, it's really not like you're trying to impress. And Again, I heard this from someone: you're trying to impress the people for the most part that you may not even really like so right? so that that inner circle. That's that's that, the people right, I'm that talking Eric about. About, yeah. who, who
3: are? How does it affect them?
2: Your relationship with them. The oh, I, I think it'll help all the relationships because again, I think you're just being real with who you are. You're not trying to to have a facade up. Um, the people closest to you are going to see you, and, and, and it's going to come out. You can t- I, Hopefully, you can tell the excitement I have when I talk I about see this that. stuff, right? And I'm I'm leaning over the <laughs> chair because I'm truly passionate about it. So when people interact with me, I hope they feel that, right? And that's something I listen to, to Craig Groeschel's podcast, and he talks about, you know, be real. Because uh, leaders, and, and people are always going to follow leaders who are real, not ones that are always right. That's kind of his his mantra, Mm -hmm. what he says before and after the podcast. But man, I really take that to heart, and it's because you see someone that has a facade up that's not real, and a lot of times you question, well, what are are they trying to be somebody else? Are they trying to live for somebody else's? And it's not easy. And what I what I say is, you know, perspective, because people, you know, get to thirty years old and think, I can't make the switch now. I can't do that now. It's like, well, you might have to to jumble up some priorities. Yeah. And, right.
0: And you know what, Dan? I, the I, one of the things you said earlier, uh, and this is, uh, I mean, I, I know culturally this in America, we're enamored with output. Mm-hmm. We're enamored with the things that are visible. Like, oh, you're a this and you have that. Wow. I want to, I want to follow my passion too.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: We don't spend a ton of time like, Tell us about when you had to ride those crickety old buses and you were in those little towns and then you got a call the next day that said, well, we've traded you. Or, <laughs> you know what, you were going to start, but we're, we've changed things and it's year number three and you've been like, oh, my gosh, what am I? The sleepless nights, the injuries, the all that stuff, right? Sure. Because I'm here to say I'm all for following your passion, but you better get ready because it's, it's going to hurt and it's hard, mm-hmm. and if it was not truly a passion, it'd be easy, sure. you know? And I, I hear you say that, and I'm going, and I obviously I know your backstory more than our listeners. I'm going... This is not a guy who's just going, well, you know, it's important to be passionate about what you believe in mm-hmm. and following that passion. No, right. it, there's a lot. And if we had, we'll have you back. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we'll do that. All
2: right, yeah. The next show, it'll be, Sure. tell us all about the sure. crap you had to sure. go through. Sure. <laughs> right? No, but yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like, And you may fail. I, I, I'm not here to tell you you're always going to succeed. And there's pl- probably plenty of failure stories out there. But, yeah. you know, the failure is just going to lead you to your next success. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right. It's, you know, my first stint in Pro Bowl, I was making $1,100 a month and riding 15 hour bus rides. And it's not what you, uh, it's not what the glamorous life when you think of Major League Baseball and hundreds and millions of dollars, you know, getting thrown out there. So, uh, yeah, that's a great point. That couldn't be understated because, you know, we're, I don't want to set this up like, You're always going to succeed at these things, and it's always going to be easy. You know what? That's one. That's one of the reasons
0: why uh, I love baseball. Mm -hmm. Is that if you think about, let's see, uh, I got to remember, it was who won the the World Series last year? The Nationals? Yes, the Nationals. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know what was their record. They lost what? They probably lost more than sixty games. They were in the
2: play. The Brewers almost beat them in the should have probably beat them in the play-in game, the wild card game.
0: Right. But but their actual regular season records, you sixty games, yeah.
2: Yep. And and yep. you have to think about that.
0: Yeah. You lost 60 times. Mm-hmm. You went to the ballpark. You played nine innings. You lost you did 60 times. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, to me, it's like that's a mirror of life. Right. And because I know my record. Right. <laughs> my record is I'm more like the Nationals. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not some 120 game winning sure. team, right? Sure. But I, I guess not only does that prove and and test that that wiring, that calling, that passion or whatever, but it puts you in that place where you go, you know, we get so, we get fooled by this idea that I'm supposed to be that I'm supposed to go there. I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to do that job. And then the years just unfurl. And then you wake up going, where did Eric go? Has anyone seen Eric?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: No, he's, he's back like miles and miles. You kind of left him there. Mm -hmm. And I know in our work, our passion, right? Hey, mm-hmm. Is to help people discover, and I know it's your noble goal, say it. The art within themselves. Right. That's Jeff's. That's not official company. That's Jeff's. And it's a great one because <laughs> we're trying in so many ways to s- please be you. Just just be you. And, and 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 you know what? To your point, the people that really care about what kind of car you're driving, they really don't care about you. Mm-hmm. They really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, any of my experiences, mm-hmm. the people that were hanging with me when I had all of X and Y and Z, mm-hmm. well, when it went south and it was gone, silence. They were gone. Too. Crickets mm-hmm. They were gone. They were off to the next party. Mm-hmm. Sure. And as tough a lesson as that was for me, it helped me realize it was, it was kind of like, again, why don't, why don't you just be you? You know, because in the end, that's where it's going to matter. Dan, we have loved sitting and talking with you. And I mean it. We'll have
2: you back. Because yes. I want to talk about some of the input stuff. Because I know you got stories. <laughs> yeah, pl- plenty of them. But, uh, no, I appreciate it. This is great. I you know A lot of fun and a lot of good insight. Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Spirit of EQ
0: podcast. And we will talk to you soon.
1: Thanks for subscribing and listening to the Spirit of EQ podcast with Jeff East and Eric Pennington. Spirit of EQ is a preferred partner of Six Seconds, the Emotional Intelligence Network. Six Seconds is a nonprofit organization researching what works in emotional intelligence. Best practices are shared through methods and tools that are global, scientific, and transformational. To find out more about Spirit of EQ or to request a speaker, go to spiritofeq.com. Our contact information is in the podcast show notes as well. And now for our special offer.
3: Hi, this is Jeff again. I just want to let everybody know that if you have any questions or want more information about anything we've talked about, just send me a quick email. And my email is jeff at of EQ.com, And I'll get right back with you.
0: Thanks. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So yes. how do people
3: get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info
0: at That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms wherever you get your podcast yes. you think that'd be good i
3: think that would be great because one that will help us learn how to make better ones and it's always good for us so hey, we're, we're not
0: the perfect podcast host we're
3: close okay but, all right but, but, but not, still. Not totally we want perfect. your feedback
0: we want your feedback
3: but it'll it also might uh let us know a new subject hey we need to dig deeper into that yeah. so let us know what you think
0: Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, And it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.